Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is The Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm round from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number two by Rob Donaldson. He does a great job taking a look at the game of baseball over on the All Eyes podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get your podcasts. I know that he did an incredible job when it came to the college basketball season as well. So we're going to be chatting with him, taking a look at what we are all going to be getting on Thursday's card, how he's been gauging some of these higher totals that we've been seeing this far this season with the increase in runs and so much more. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore one Keep in mind, letters M. Amy does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Wednesday. Let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. It was 1-0. to The San Diego Padres were able to take down the Atlanta Braves as Juan Soto, I still will say, hasn't lived quite up to his money quite yet. He was able to earn back a little bit of faith with this one, though. Home run number four of the season off of Charlie Morton. That was the lone run of the game, as Morton was not bad. He gives up that home run over the course of six innings. Joe Menez, Dylan Lee, they both on a scoreless setting, but for the Padres, Nick Martinez was untouchable in this one. Seven scoreless settings. Luis Garcia, Tim Hill, they piecemeal together the eighth inning before Josh Hader closes the door. He gets the save with a scoreless ninth inning. The Oakland A's just continue to be incredibly sad and pathetic. Now 3-16 and as the Cubs get a 12-2 win. The man of steel, Justin Steele, a solid start. Two runs, one of which was earned in six innings from their Keegan Thompson, two scoreless, and Julian Merriweather was labeled to land a scoreless inning. Just one home run in this one. Eric Hosmer, he gets his first home run of the season off of Adam Aller as this was just a rough go of it in general for the Oakland A's as 
Their prospect in Mason Miller, actually not a terrible start. Gives up two runs in four and a third innings, five strikeouts, so not a bad debut. And then Chad Smith, he gets two outs, he gives up two runs. Sam Mall, he gets two outs, he gives up two runs. Adam Aller gives up that home run, five runs in total over the course of one and a third innings. Drew Sitch Familia, four outs out of the bullpen scoreless, but Zach Jackson, he gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning and not a lot doing for the Oakland A's offense. So that was rather rough. The Pittsburgh Pirates have been one of the most pleasant surprises of the season thus far. Now 12-7. and They take down the Colorado Rockies by a count of 14-3 as they had a pair of home runs in this one. Rodolfo Castro, home run number two of the campaign, and Austin Gomber got Gombered up as he allowed a home run to Andrew McCutcheon in his fourth of the season for Gomber. Goes two innings, giving up nine runs, including that home run. Ty Block gives up the other home run, giving up three runs over the course of two innings. Jake Bird, he gave the bird to the Pirates. Three scoreless innings. Daniel Bard, a scoreless inning. And yeah, two runs given up in an inning by Harold Castro. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, a relatively solid go of it for Johan Oviedo, giving up one run over the course of six innings from there. The other Johan, Johan Ramirez, gives up one run in two innings. And Dori Maretta closes things out, gives up a run over the course of an inning. Philadelphia Phillies look to be getting back on track. They get a 5-2 win over the Chicago White Sox as for Tybal Walker. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings, including a home run going deep for the White Sox. Andrew Vaughn, his first home run of the season. Pants that not a lot went right for the White Sox. So as the Phillies bullpen was able to do a nice job as well. Scoreless innings out of Craig Kimbrell, Jose Alvarado, and Gregory Soto. A pair of outs out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, you had a pair of home runs for the Philadelphia Phillies. Brandon Marsh and Trey Turner down for what? Both take Mike Clevenger deep for Turner. His first home run as a Philadelphia Philly. Third of the season for Marsh as Clevenger gives up three runs. Is only able to make it three innings. He had his pitch count rather elevated. Didn't look sharp in this one. And then from there, you did have two runs given up in three innings by Tanner Banks before Keenan Middleton gives you a scoreless inning. And Gregory Santos did provide two scoreless innings. So a White Sox bullpen that has been dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Not the worst showing, but not a lot of offense doing here as well. The Texas Rangers completely clobbered the Kansas City Royals, who are now 4-15 and to begin the year. 12-3 the final. And the Rangers, they're now 12-6 and as Jonah Heim got a big home run in the ninth inning off of Scott Barlow's third home run season. As for Barlow, gave up three runs over the course of an inning, but damage was already done prior to that. Brady Singer was singing the blues, giving up five runs in five innings. Carlos Hernandez, Roldis Chapman, they both lend a scoreless inning, but Taylor Clark... Four runs, three of which were earned, given up in an inning. He did have Bobby Wood Jr. go deep for his third home run of the season. And nine is for the Royals is an accomplishment, considering they entered in the day. Hitting below at 2.15 as a collective as Martin Perez gave up that home run. Three runs a total over the course of five and two-thirds innings. But bullpen from there, able to assure it up. Josh Saboris, along with Jose Leclerc, a scoreless inning. And Jonathan Hernandez, one and a third innings, scoreless as well. Our DK Nation write-up pick was able to get there as... The Milwaukee Brewers are able to get the job done by a count of 5-3. to three. Now, if you watch this game, you know how hairy th- things got in the ninth inning with the bases loaded as Matt Bush was the guy that was able to put it away as for the Milwaukee Brewers, all their runs come in the seventh inning as Marco Gonzalez actually had a relatively good start in this one going six innings giving up two runs. He was left in there a little bit too long, and then Matt Brash tries to clean up the mess, gives up three runs over the course of his inning before Taylor Saucedo and Trevor Gott are both able to give you a scoreless inning. Julio Rodriguez got the scoring going with his fourth home run season off of Eric Lauer. Pitch well, seven and two-thirds innings, gave up that home run, two runs in total. Peter Strzelski was able to come in for a pair of outs, did give up a run along the way, and there's a lot of inherited runners by Matt Bush. 
He got the final two outs out of the game to get the Brewers to the window. The Tampa Bay Rays stay hot. They are now 16-3. They take down the Cincinnati Reds 8-0. This was just a start to forget for Levi Stout. He gives up six runs in the first inning before calming down. He finished off four innings, giving up seven runs, including a home run going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yandy Diaz, his sixth home run season. From there, the Roy- Reds did not do a bad job. Lucas Sims, fresh off the injured list. Derek Law, Revier Sam Martin all give a scoreless inning. And Fernando Cruz give up a run in an inning. But it got to the point where third baseman Jason Vossler had to pitch an inning, and it was a scoreless inning, and for the Reds, nothing doing for them. Drew Rasmussen, five scoreless innings. You had Josh Fleming, who I thought was going to be probably the bulk guy in a day or two. He came in, he held down the four for three scoreless, and Pete Fairbanks was able to end a scoreless inning as well. The Cleveland Guardians were able to get up off the mat after losing a pair to the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday with a 3-2 win on Thursday as the Guardians now 19-3 in the last 22 starts of Cal Quantrill in the regular season, and he was tremendous. Six scoreless innings. Things got a little bit airy with Trevor Steven and James Karinczak both allowing a solo home run in their inning of work as Zach McKinstry gets his first home run season. Spencer Torkelson is second, but you had Emmanuel Classe coming to close the door. He pitches a scoreless ninth inning as the big hit in this one, Oscar Gonzalez. Second home run season, that comes off of Spencer Turnbull, who allowed three runs over the course of five and a third innings. Bullpen did their part, Jose Cicerno, Alex Lang, both lend a scoreless inning, and Tyler Alexander, five outs on the bullpen, scoreless for the San Francisco Giants. It's been a rough year for them. They're just 6-11, and 11, but they did get the win on Wednesday as they take down the Miami Marlins 5-2 in 11 innings as they put up a four spot in that 11th inning. Mikey Stromsky, he goes deep for his fourth home run season. Michael Conforto goes deep for his fourth home run season. Those both come off of Devin Smeltzer as he gave up four runs, three of which were earned in his 11th inning of work as everyone else did their part. Yeah, Trevor Rogers not last long in this game. He gives up one run over the course of three innings, but prior to that, the bullpen did tremendous as he had Uskar Brazobin along Tanner Scott go one and two-thirds innings scoreless, two scoreless innings out of Mr. George Soriano. Matt Barnes delivers a scoreless inning and Andrew Nardi, a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but for the Marlins, they leave 15 men on base, go two of 16 with men in scoring position as Alex Cobb, five innings, gives up one run. He was solid in the bullpen. For the Giants, which was in the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of VRA entering into this day, they were nails. John Brebbia, one and a third inning scoreless. You had both Rodgers come into this game as Tyler Rodgers goes one and a third inning scoreless. Taylor Rodgers gets the final two outs of the game. Sean Hegelet gives up an unearned run in extra innings, but Camilio Duvall, one and a third inning scoreless. And Scott Alexander was able to end a scoreless inning as well. The St. Louis Cardinals just completely pounded the tower out of the Arizona Diamondbacks. 14-5 the final end. Cardinals have actually been one of the better under teams thus far this season as well. As they entered into this one, 7-10-1 to the over. Now, 8 overs, 10 unders, and a push for them thus far this season. As for Arizona, a pair of home runs out of Alec Thomas, his first home run season, and Pavin Smith, his second. Those both come off of the Woodford, and Jake Woodford, who allowed four runs in five innings, including those two bombs. From there, the bullpen did their part. Zach Thompson, Drew Verhagen, Jordan Nix, all end a scoreless inning, and Genesis Cabrera allows a run in an inning, but for St. Louis, it goes 7-15 with men in scoring position, and they get a pair of home runs. Tommy Edmond, second home run of the campaign off of Madison Bumgarner, and Nolan Gorman gets home run number five of the season off of Peter Solomon. Solomon gave up seven runs in two and a third innings. 
Madison Bumgarner, they need to get him out of the lake at this point. Seven runs surrendered in three innings. He's only 33, by the way, Madison Bumgarner. If you told me he was 3,300 years old, I'd believe you. Kevin Ginkle, Jose Ruiz, one and a third inning scoreless apiece, but damage had already been done, and then some. For the New York Mets, they were without Matt Max Scherzer throughout much of this one, but they still get it done against the LA Dodgers by a count of 5-3. to three. Scherzer gets tossed after apparently there was rosin on his glove. Buck Showalter did nothing to help him out. Scherzer threw three scoreless innings, but the bullpen piecemealed this one together. Adam Adovino does allow us a home run in an inning going deep for the Dodgers. David Peralta, home run number one in the season. You did also have David Robertson give up a run in an inning, but Jacob Yacobonis held down the fourth two and two-thirds innings. He allows one run. Drew Smith, a scoreless saying Jeff Brigham gets it out at the bullpen and for the Metropolitans. Brandon Nimmo, big in this one. Home run number one the season off of Noah Thor Syndergaard. Syndergaard wasn't bad. He only got two strikeouts, but gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of six innings, but Shelby Miller gives up two runs over the course of his inning. Yancey Almonte gives up a run in a third of an inning. Justin Brule, scoreless inning, and Alex Vesia, two-thirds of an inning, scoreless. The second straight night, the Washington Nationals got shut out, 4-0. to The final, as the Baltimore Orioles are able to get the job done, as for Baltimore, they were able to get a bit of power in this one from Adam Frazier, second home run season, comes off of Mackenzie Gore, who Gore didn't have his A-plus stuff, he did walk four, he gave up that home run, but gives up three runs over the course of six innings, Anthony Benda along Thaddeus Ward both lend a scoreless inning before you have one run give it up in an inning by Hobie Harris, but didn't matter if the Nationals gave up one or 100 runs. Their offense scored nothing, going 0 of 9 with men in scoring position. Kyle Bradish, fresh off the injured list, first win of the season. Six scoreless innings, six strikeouts along the way. Brian Baker, Mike Bauman both lend a scoreless inning before. Sino Perez and Yanir Cano, don't you know, they were able to combine for a scoreless inning. You saw the Minnesota Twins absolutely take it to the Boston Red Sox, 10-4 the final in this. As for the Minnesota Twins, they were able to bust out with some power. Joey Gallo fresh off the injured list. Fourth home run season off of Corey Kluber, and Kluber got completely destroyed. As he also gave up a home run to Eduardo Julien, home run number two of the campaign for Kluber. Seven runs surrendered in five innings, including two deep shots. He allowed three runs in the first inning. It didn't get any better from there. Joe Ryan wasn't necessarily super sharp, giving up three runs in six innings, including a home run to Kike Hernandez, his third of the campaign, but was able to do enough to get by in this one as the uh, Red Sox bullpen continues to be rather awful. Ryan Brazier, he gives up three runs in an inning, including a home run to Trevor Larnich, his second home run season. From there, two scoreless settings out of Richard Blyer, Caleb Hort, a scoreless setting in the Minnesota Twins. They got three good innings out of Brent Hedrick. This was his MLB debut. Gives up a one run along the way. So he was able to do a nice job holding it down. Now I'm doing this as the game is going into the ninth inning. The Astros currently up by kind of 2-1. to one. On the Toronto Blue Jays have to do this a little bit early. Since the Greg Peterson experience as from midnight to 3 Eastern time. But for the Astros and the Blue Jays. Two very surprisingly good starts. Jose Barrios. He gives up three hits, two runs in total over the course of seven innings. And for Luis Garcia, seven scoreless. You did have Rafael Montero get into a little bit of problems. He gave up a run and didn't get a single out, but Brian Abreu was able to clean up his mess. Meanwhile, for the Blue Jays, you're looking at Zach Pop right now to be able to get them out of the inning. And as it stands right now, the Yankees trying to walk off the LA Angels. I'm doing this as it's 2-2 two to two in the ninth inning. The lone scoring for the Yankees going into the ninth inning. And Aaron Judge home run. 
he was able to get home run number six of the campaign there. And in the top of the first inning, he actually robbed Shoy Otani of a home run as well. So a big Aaron Judge game. Stands right now, the LA Angels, one of 12 with men in scoring position, but got a good start out of Griffin Cannon. Cannon gives up that home run, but two runs in total over the course of five and a third innings. I mean, but he one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Carlos Aceves was able to hold it down, and Matt Moore looking to extend things for the Angels, and Johnny Brito. He got into some issues, but he was able to wiggle out, giving up just one run in four and a third innings, and from there, bullpen has been rock solid for the Yankees. Clay Holmes is scoreless, ending Wendy Peralta. One and a third innings, allowing a run. And Michael King, two and a third innings, scoreless. If you are taking a look at Major League Baseball right now, we have been noticing that there has been quite a few overs. This is something that we're going to be talking about with our good friend Rob Donaldson in segment number two. But thus far, season to date, this is with a few games for Wednesday still not accounted for. But 141 overs to 123 unders, right around 53.4% to the over. But if you take a look at the last seven days in baseball, unders are starting to make a charge. 44 overs, 44 unders. I believe that we've had three pushes along the way as well. And for favorites, they're having a tough time covering the run line. We have seen favorites go 51 and 40 straight up in the last seven days. 11 of those games have involved the favorite winning by one run. So that's actually relatively tame compared to the rest of the season. As overall for the season, favorites 167 and 106 straight up. But we have already seen 38 instances where the favorite has not been able to cover the run line winning by just one. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all got in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Thursday with our good friend Rob Donaldson, who does a great job with the All Eyes podcast. Also going to be asking him about how he's been gauging these totals next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. 
Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out... F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. (sighs) Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, you find it. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest as Rob Donaldson does great work as a sports better, taking a look at 
a little bit of everything. I know that he joined me throughout the college basketball season on VSIN, taking a look over there. He's been doing an incredible job here in the early part of the MLB season, as well as is the host of the All Eyes podcast. You're able to catch that wherever you get your podcast. I know that most of his stuff goes up on his YouTube page at youtube.com slash Rob Donaldson, his first and last name. And to be able to follow Rob on Twitter, that's at Rob DFB all together. And Rob, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me back on, Greg. Always love talking to you. Always love having you aboard. And Rob, we are now about three weeks through the MLB season. And what have been some of your biggest takeaways? Because for me, I think the biggest headline that we've seen this MLB season has been the early amount of overs and just way that offense has been up in comparison to most Aprils. Yeah, a lot of stolen bases, a lot of home runs, a lot of extra base hits, and a lot of youth. I think we're starting to see contracts and holding guys off until May, as far as rookies go, not play as much of a factor in the season. And we're seeing guys like Jordan Walker, Corbin Carroll, and a lot of other dudes, um, Anthony Volpe for the Yankees, you know, making instant impacts. And it's awesome to see. It's great for the game. Yep, it certainly is great to see. And I do feel like part of the increase in offense has been due to what we have been seeing with regards to rule changes, because I do think that eliminating the shift that is going to allow for more bases. You mentioned it with stolen bases, but how much do you attribute to other factors? Because I do think that the ball's a little bit juiced up this year for one and for two. It just feels like it's been warmer this April in a lot of places than we've seen elsewhere. That last part that you just mentioned is a big factor. We're seeing a lot of warmer conditions. I mean, it's April and we're talking about games being played in the mid seventies, high seventies. It's sunny. I need these um, Homer friendly ballparks. I also think we're seeing the top end starting pitching that we're so used to seeing as far as, you know, Verlander and Scherzer and Kershaw over the years, just kind of dominating and keeping runs at a minimum. You know, these guys are getting tagged, you know, even Jacob, um, Jacob deGrom, when he goes down at Texas, his first few starts, he was getting rocked. And I think that's kind of speaking to maybe, you know, some of these rule changes, but I also think it's just these guys are getting older and they haven't really been supplanted by a lot of top end starters yet as we kind of work into it here. No question about it. We have not gotten a lot of those guys to be able to rise up as joining me on the podcast. We do have Rob Donaldson does great work over on the All Eyes podcast. And I do think that it is going to be really interesting to see what we all get on Thursday because we don't necessarily have too many supreme pitching matchups that are going to be going at it. But I do think that this Giants versus Mets game is interesting because Sean Manea, a few years ago, he was one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. He threw that no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox. He thought that he was taking strides forward, just has not been himself ever since he left Oakland. Meanwhile, Kodai Senga, he has been relatively solid in his first three starts. Grand, they were against the Marlins twice and the Oakland A's, so not hard to be solid in those starts. But how do you view this game? Because with the Giants, we all recall two years ago, they had that big breakout season winning the NL West. They now enter in this game 6-11 with their biggest ailment, in my opinion, being the bullpen. Yeah, it's definitely the bullpen. You know, they're top bottom four in the entire league in terms of runs given up after the first seven innings. I mean, that's a definite indicator that, you know, you're not closing out ball games or you're at least not holding on the leads as tightly as you should. I think also part of their issue is the injury factor and the leading to a lot of plate indiscipline or, or non-discipline at the plate. They're striking out a ton. And you know, against a guy like Kode Senga, who is K-ing dudes at a high rate, against a team like the Mets, who are disciplined at the plate, I think that's one of the margins that we're going to really pay attention to in this matchup, and I think it's going to show up in, in a major favor for the Mets. And what's really hurting the San Francisco Giants as well is their own ballpark, because this team has yeah. really been relying upon the home run ball 
Oracle Park, especially during the nighttime, and this is going to be a nighttime game, one of the hardest ballparks to be able to hit one out in. I believe that it is second among National League parks in terms of just pitcher friendliness with regards to home runs. So that is going to be a little bit of a factor here as well. And what do you make out of this Giants start? Because I don't think that a lot of people thought that the Giants were going to be winning like 100 games like they did two seasons ago. But at the same time, I'm sure that many people, including myself, thought that they would be a bit better than 6-11. and 11. And I think that they're one of those intriguing shall we say, disappointments early on the season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't totally high on them coming into the season, but they are definitely a disappointment. And I think also part of that is because there were a lot of moving pieces now. You know, there's no Brandon Belt back in the lineup. Obviously, Buster Posey's been gone for a little bit now, and they are trying to merge these younger dudes into the lineup, as well as they brought in, you know, Michael Conforto, and he's day-to-day. They brought in Mitch Haniger, he's day-to-day. Jack Peterson's hurt. So I think the injury total is kind of hammering them through the first half of this first month, and we will see improved play out of them. But like you kind of mentioned earlier with their bullpen, that's a telling issue where you never know if that's going to get fixed throughout the entire season. And if they are out of contention near the trade deadline, it might just be what it is, and they might bring in up some young guys. But usually that kind of band-aid doesn't fix everything. Yeah, I don't think that it is going to either. And on the flip side, more towards the positive, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. As the Pirates have started out 12-7. and seven. I don't think when it's all said and done that they're going to be a team that's going to be on pace for 90-plus wins or anything like that. But you know what? They've got the Cincinnati Reds, and you got Ronsi Contreras going up against Luke Weaver. How do you gauge this sort of a pitching matchup? Because Contreras is a young 23-year-old. I think that he's still a little bit raw, but he's a guy that I really like. Meanwhile, for Luke Weaver, I remember being so bullish on him towards like the 2019 season. Ever since then, things have just been a hot mess for him. Yeah, you know, his first year with St. Louis was a, a diamond in the rough type of year where, you know, maybe this guy with non-dominating power stuff can really be one of those next pitch to contact starters who finds a lot of success. That dissipated really fast. And as far as this matchup goes, the Pirates have been swinging a hot bat. PNC Park, aside from the aesthetic, is, you know, one of those stadiums that, depending on the day, and it's supposed to be a beautiful day, can be very homer-friendly and extra base-heavy. And it's looking like 84 degrees and, and partly sunny. And you have two pitchers on the bump who can give up the long ball and extra base hits. I mean, you have to lean towards over there. And I also think you know, the Pirates, they are, I think, gold as far as their long-term viability, especially with O'Neill Cruz going out of the lineup. But in this short term, you know, I think they're catching a lot of teams by surprise, and I think they can do some damage with their bats. In terms of teams that have been some of the biggest surprises in baseball, I think that the Pirates, starting out 12-7, and seven, that's towards the top of the list. But <laughs> were a few that stand out to you, whether they be to the positive or the negative? I lean towards, obviously, the Pirates there as well. But the two other teams that I would really key in on are the Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks. One, I think they have... As far as the Diamondbacks are concerned, a great farm system. And a lot of those young pieces are showing up in the early stages. And I also think they have a couple starters there that can really get it done when they need to win a game. And their offense, which hasn't really been aided by Cattell Marte or Christian Walker in the early goings as far as just hitting for average and even hitting for power out of those two, they're still putting up runs against really talented teams. And with the Giants looking like they are right now, and with the Padres sort of trying to figure out things in the early goings as well, I think there is some wild card opportunities here for the Arizona Diamondbacks, especially with, you know, when you consider that farm and you get near the trade deadline, if they are hanging around there, this is a team that potentially could make a push for an extra starter or two. And as far as the Marlins go, they are a team that has a really good rotation. Their bullpen is showing up. 
their lineup is an absolute an atrocious mess right now as far as just a string along actual consistency and run production. But with the Marlins, what's crazy is they're winning all these games and three out of four Sandy starts have resulted in a loss. So they're not even getting, you know, their main workhorse involved with the W's. And I, I think that's very telling for their long-term success. It is very telling. And one of the teams that you pointed out was the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I think that they've got an interesting game on Thursday with the Padres as Ryan Nelson is one of those nice young starters for this team going up against Michael Walker. And right now I'm seeing the Diamondbacks right around plus 110, even a little bit more as we do this podcast. How do you view this one? Because with Arizona, I felt like they should have been a very slight underdog. I did need about this plus 110 or so price to be able to take a shot on them. But this is starting to get into my buy point on Arizona at home. And I've been loving the Diamondbacks since game one this year. This was one of the teams I have a lot of futures on. And I just was really bullish on coming in the season. And I love the Diamondbacks here again. I I really do think the Padres are one of those teams that everybody is assuming is going to be great. And I believe, uh, and I might be incorrect on this, this is the return of Fernando Tatis game that does sort of factor in as far as when that confirmation is that he's going to be back in the lineup full time. But I do like the Diamondbacks in this spot. I think their offense is clicking and I can't trust Michael Walker in this ballpark. Sort of keep the Diamondbacks under four runs, I think. Yep, I think that Ryan Nelson is going to be able to do a solid job, and I like the moves that they made in the offseason as well. Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin, being able to shore up that bullpen that has been a mess, and now they're getting back Joe Mantiply, who started out the year on the injured list as well. So those are big moves as Rob Donaldson does great work on the All Eyes podcast. He is joining me on the podcast, and Rob, is there another game or two that you are taking a look at for Thursday? Because it's a relatively short slate, no question about it. But is there anything that you're looking to bet on? Or is there maybe a team or two that you've got some question marks with? You might not be betting the game, but you just want to take some inventory and see where they're at in general. I always look towards sort of trying to see if there's an angle at fading some of the more public teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, even when I can. The one team tomorrow that I really love the line on I think it's a very telling line and it might be, you know, recency bias might be playing in this line or it might just be a line that's telling of the pitching matchup. But I like the Cubs over the Dodgers and I don't mind sprinkling the run line in that one as well. It's just one of those games where I feel like the Dodgers have been kind of living on the West Coast for a little bit and now coming all the way out to Chicago on a mild type of temperature night with potential rain and sloppiness. I think that does kind of favor into the Cubs advantage and their bats have been hot and so is their pitching and their bullpen. So I actually like taking the Cubs on a potential run line spot there against the Dodgers. Yeah, but when it comes to the Chicago Cubs, they've been off to a really nice start to the season as well. And what do you make out of the slow start for the LA Dodgers? It's been quite some time since the Dodgers have been sub-500 this late into the season. And I recognize that's very early, but this just doesn't feel like the same Dodgers team that has been in past years. Yeah, you know, usually we're talking about the Dodgers in the light of, oh, this feels like a a super lineup or or something to that effect. Even though they're starting rotation and we're seeing just nonstop guy after guy, name after name. And in the early goings, you know, we're seeing a lot of Shelby Miller and we're seeing a lot of Michael Grove and and some of these names that, you know, we're not totally infatuated with or, or used to. And also, I do think injuries have played a factor with them as well. I mean, they have had some Will Smith issues with his injuries, Miguel Rojas, obviously Tony Gonsolin, um, Walker Bueller. So they are a little bit banged up in terms of some of those premium guys. But I do think this potentially could be a case of the Los Angeles Dodgers maybe are taking a little bit of a step back this season. And we've been having, but we've been waiting on the downfall of Clayton Kershaw for a long time, it feels like. And I don't think it's going to be a crazy drop off, but 
I do think maybe this is a year where we see him around the three five, three six ERA mark, and you know he's not the horse that he might used to be. So I think that's something to monitor with that Dodgers team for sure. Typically, Will Smith issues involve when you get him in a room with Chris Rock, but this time it's the exact opposite <laughs> for the LA Dodgers. But Rob, you do absolutely tremendous work. I know that you've done an amazing job taking a look at the great game of baseball. I know you were incredible when it comes to college basketball as well. And I know that you're doing a great job with very many shows and so much more. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Greg. Always love talking with you. You know, you're one of the best at doing this and I really appreciate you having me on. Rob does incredible work taking a look at things. You're able to catch the All Eyes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you search them on YouTube, just his name, Rob Donaldson, you're going to be able to find all of his shows there. A big thanks to Rob for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer songwriter and composer John Batiste the all new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah, psh. 
I'm Tony Karen Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to be able to get Rob Donaldson aboard. I know that he's doing some amazing work with his YouTube channel, co-host of the All Eyes Podcast. You're able to find that wherever your podcast does a nice job taking a look at the game of baseball. I know that he did an incredible job on the college basketball front as well, so it was great to be able to get him aboard today. Big thanks, Rob. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNR41. Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we go through the National League games first, then the American League games. If we would have interleague games, those would be at the bottom. We do not have any of those today, though, so let's dive in with 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in a Cincinnati, and they're under the road face-off against the Pittsburgh Pirates as Oronsi Contreras is going to be on the bump for the Buccos, and Luke Weaver goes for the Cincinnati Reds. Total on this game is 9, the under is minus 120, and the over is even, seeing a straight 8.5 out there. Over is minus 125, the under is plus 105. With the Pirates, you're finding them any between minus 142 and minus 150, between plus 125 and plus 135 is your number on Cincinnati. You're looking at that run line of the Pirates. It's currently a plus 140, and that's where I'm going to be looking as I did set the Pirates minus 147 on the money line, but I think that there's the potential that Luke Weaver gets completely destroyed. He was mostly pitching out the bullpen last season with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He had a really good 2019 season where he had that sub-3 ERA ever since, and things have just went down the toilet bowl. He led the league in losses in 2020, obviously a shortened season, but this guy just has not been able to find it. He didn't necessarily look sharp trying his rehab start, so... It's just not a guy that I want any sort of faith in whatsoever. He's always been a little bit loose with regards to the walks. The swing and miss stuff just seems to be down. Last season, he could not find just any semblance of himself whatsoever. He gave up one home run in 35 and two-thirds innings with a 6.56 ERA. Meanwhile, you've got Onsi Contreras, who's a young 23-year-old who's had some rough starts this year. He gave up the seven runs in that start against the Houston Astros, but I like the way that he's coming along. Swing and miss stuff seems to be improving, and for Onsi Contreras, you take a look at at the 2022 season, and he pitched significantly better at home than on the road. 333 home ERA, 420-70 on the road, and he's backed up by a lineup that has actually been able to put back to ball. Now, it is hard going away from elevation back to sea level, but these guys have been able to get it going on offense, and they face off against a Reds team that 
They had nobody have more than 12 home runs among the returning roster from last season, though Joey Vossler has been able to get it going. He's got three home runs thus far this season. Jonathan India has been a nice leadoff guy for them. Spencer Steer has been able to move the line, but take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. You've got Brian Reynolds being able to slug out five home runs, hitting above a 300. Andrew McCutcheon hitting above a 300 as well. Connor Joe, Rodolfo Castro at the bottom of the fold have been solid. Now, I do think that the O'Neill Cruz injury is going to catch up with them, and I don't frankly think the Pirates are as good as their 12 and 7 start, but they are also facing off against a Cincinnati Reds team that has a rough bullpen. You've got a pair of guys from Fernando Cruz, Alexis Diaz, they've been able to do a solid job, but you don't have a lot of thumpers in this lineup. I do like Jake Fraley and the way that he's typically able to move the line, but now he's hitting about a 225 this far this season. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, it does hurt that Chase Young is on the bullpen with Colin Holderman has been good for this bullpen. David Benar, he was an all-star a season ago. Robert Stevenson is able to give you some solid innings as well, and this is just not a spot where I want to be packing Luke Weaver in his first start of the year. He really didn't start at all last year. You've got to question length. You've got to question this bullpen, so it is a circumstance where I'm going to be willing to take the Pirates on the run line. I would like to see more a pop up because I would rather have an 8.5 over rather than a 9 under, but pretty much seeing all but one book offering a 9 at the 9, I'm going to be taking a look at the under to go along with that Pirates run line. 903-904 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies as Matt Stram is going to be going for the Phils and Ryan Feldner is on the bump for Colorado. Total on this game is 9. The over is anywhere between minus 115 to minus 120. The under is anywhere between even at minus 105. For the Phillies, it's anywhere between minus 195 and minus 205. And with Colorado, anywhere between plus 165 and plus 185. And for the Rockies, I needed at least a plus 195 to be able to dive in here. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Phillies, right now finding it at a minus 110. Really wouldn't want to lay too much more than a minus 110, but I'm willing to lay the minus 110, Matt Stram. I figured there was going to be a little bit of regression with his good start to the season. And we did see that in his last start got destroyed for... Three runs in two and two-thirds innings against the Cincinnati Reds. And quite frankly, just is not going to be able to lend a lot of length moving forward. You do have a Phillies bullpen that seems to be getting a little bit better. Jose Alvarado has been amazing out of this pen. Gregory Soto, Sir Anthony Dominguez after rough starts of the season. They're starting to pick it up as well. Still have no faith whatsoever in Craig Kimbrell, Andrew Bellotti, guys like this. But it's not like the Colorado Rockies are lighting the world on fire with their bullpen. They were dead last in the league in terms of bullpen ERA last season. They just had... Back-to-back games, actually two out of three games, where they gave up 14 runs, so lots of bullpen usage there. Daniel Bard is back at the fold. That helps him out. They did pick up right hand in the offseason, but when you're dealing with guys like Ty Block, Justin Lawrence, and company, that's not great. And for the Colorado Rockies, they just can never hit when they are on the road. As a matter of fact, there was no team other than the Rockies that scored fewer than 3.4 runs per game on the road last season, and they didn't even score three runs per game on the road. This team just hits a big, giant wall whenever they're away from home, like C.J. Crone last year had 29 home runs. Just seven of them came away from them thus far this season. The Rockies and road games are hitting a 217. They've got seven home runs in nine games, and most of those came in game number one. So now that those home and road splits are starting to take effect, it's not great. Meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, this team is hitting as a collective about a 286. Trey Turner, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh, Omando Sosa, all guys hitting north of a 320 right now. You haven't necessarily been able to get a ton of power. Kyle Schwarber has four home runs. He's really been the lone guy, not hitting for average other than Jake Cave, but you've been able to have this team move the line. I like what I'm seeing a little bit more out of this bullpen. Ryan Feldner is someone that has just been getting tattooed. He's given up 13 runs and 13 and a third innings thus far this season. Par for the course. 
for his career. He's always had an ERA north of five. You go back to last season, 573. Road ERA giving up nearly two home runs per two innings. So I do think that the Phillies take it to Feldner. I just don't think that the Rockies hold up their end of the bargain with regards to the total. Set it at an 8.4. I think that the Rockies struggle with their offense in this one. Looking under and looking at that Phillies run line. 9 of 5, 9 of 6 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing OCLA Dodgers as Michael Grove is going to be going for the Dodgers and Jameis Tyon is on the bump for the Cubs. Right now, DraftKings is posting a total of 10 over and under, both at minus 110, with the Cubs are anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 favorites, anywhere between plus 105 and minus 105, your number on LA, and with the Cubs, want to lay up to a minus 114 with them. Seeing a lot of minus 110, I'm going to be willing to dive in there with Jamison Tyon. He's not a guy that is necessarily going to be able to keep the ball in the yard, as we saw last year with the Yankees. He did give up a lot of home run power. He's not given up a home run in 14 innings thus far this season, and he does a good job with command. Last year, he had right around two walks per nine innings. I do think, though, that with the wind blowing out, because I'm right now seeing winds blowing out at north of 13 miles per hour for this game, that is not going to bode well for him. I also don't think that's going to bode well for our good friend, Mr. Grove, who already has made one start against the Chicago Cubs this year. I actually looked good in that start. Gave up a solo home run in five and two-thirds innings. Prior to that, gave up nine runs against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you just take a look at Michael Grove throughout his career. He has had a little bit of an issue just being able to keep the ball in the yard. His walks per nine rate isn't bad. It'll give up right around two and a half walks per nine innings. Swing and miss stuff. It's okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. Right around eight punch outs per nine innings. But you look back at what he did during the 2022 campaign and he gave up six home runs in 29 in the third innings. Has really been giving up a lot of contact in general. I do think that Grove and Tyon are relatively similar pitchers and the Chicago Cubs are really doing a nice job of moving the line. Entering into yesterday, Patrick Wisdom had eight home runs. He has been on an absolute terror right now and even though you're not getting a lot of power out of pretty much anyone else for the Chicago Cubs, you've got guys getting on base. Tansy Swanson, Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Lewis Torrance, all these guys hitting at least a 285. Cody Bellinger is starting to look like his MVP self. Nick Madrigal, when he's getting at-bats, has been solid now with the Cubs. You do have some shakiness with this bullpen. I do like Brandon Hughes coming back in the fold, and then they picked up Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer. Do have my question marks with guys like Michael Rucker and company, and this is an L.A. Dodgers team that they had the top open in terms of ERA in the National League last year with a lot of nameless, faceless guys. Yancey Almonte, Alex Vesia, Caleb Ferguson and company, but I do think that for the Dodgers, this is just not the same team that it has been in past years. Max Muncy entered into yesterday with seven home runs. He certainly has been able to do a nice job, but this is a Dodgers team that's currently 9-10 and 10 because they haven't gotten much out of Mookie Betts, who has been limited the last few days. That's an issue. He's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start to the season. I like what I see out of J.D. Martinez. He had multiple home runs in that game against the Mets two days ago. Freddie Freeman has been able to above a three-air, but the bottom of the full, guys like David Feralta, Austin wins when he has to play the catcher spot, as Will Smith has been a little bit banged up. Miguel Vargas, they're just not holding up their end of the bargain. Now, with the wind blowing out the way that it is, and both of these starters being ones that give up a lot of contact, I did set my total at 10.6, so anything of a 10.5 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. But with the Cubs, one to lay up to a minus 113 with them. 907, 908 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres hit the road faceoff against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So Ryan Nelson is going to be going for the Snakes, and Michael Waka, and if he gets shelled, it's Michael Waka, 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 Dying Pac-Man voice going for the Padres. And the Padres, they're between minus 118 and minus 125 favorites. Between plus 105 and plus 110. Your number on Arizona, 9.5 is the total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Did set my 
Total at a 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but with the Padres, I set them at a minus 109. So seeing the plus 110 out there with the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's my minimum buy point on them, but it is a buy point for me on Arizona. I do think that they're going to be able to get just enough offense in this ordeal because with the Arizona Diamondbacks, hasn't necessarily been a lot of home run power to this point. Christian Walker had north of 30 home runs last season. He's really not been able to hit this season as he, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, they're all even below the Mendoza line of 200. Meanwhile, Joshua Ross at the top has been solid. He's hitting north of 300. Pavin Smith, Geraldo Perdomo, Nick Ahmed. These are guys that are currently getting on base. I do think that we're going to see some regression there, but the guys that aren't hitting, I think are, and the guys that are hitting, I think are not. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, they picked up Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin to be able to fortify that bullpen along with Kyle Nelson in the offseason. And for Ryan Nelson, no confusion with Kyle Nelson, I do think that he's going to be able to land a relatively okay start. Wasn't necessarily impressed by him at the minor league level, but he's come up to the major league level. He's been able to contain the home run ball. Doesn't necessarily get a lot of strikeouts. Just 10 punch-outs through 17 innings thus far this season. That's a small sample size, but even last year, Michael Walker wasn't getting a bunch of strikeouts. He's been allowing a lot of her contact coming off of giving up seven runs in four and a third innings against the Milwaukee Brewers. And he had a renaissance year last season, but it was one where you sort of thought that there was going to be a little bit of regression from his 332 ERA, was very lucky on balls and playing for the San Diego Padres. This is not such a sour bullpen. Luis Garcia has not been what he was a season ago. Reese Kinnar, Ray Kerr, our guys that are not holding it up. Josh Hader has been absolutely tremendous for this team, but Nibel Crisman is now on the injured list. He was one of their most solid guys last season. Stephen Wilson, he's been able to do a relatively okay job, and for the San Diego Padres, they're not getting what they paid for out of Juan Soto. It's been a really rough year for him, hitting below the Meadows line of a 200. Manny Machado has been slow to get going. Just one home run in his first 75 at-bats of the campaign. Grisham is having another rough season. It's really been Xander Bogart saving the team. Hitting a 345 entering into yesterday with four home runs. Awesome Kim. He's been able to move the line a little bit more, but now he's starting to hit a funk. Matt Carpenter, guys like this at the bottom of the fold, they have not been terrific. And I think that the Diamondbacks are going to be able to hold them down, being able to get north of a plus 110, going to be willing to dive in on the Diamondbacks, set my total at a 9.2, so here at 9.5, also looking under. Now we have my DK Nation write-up. This is 909-910 on the betting board. The New York Metropolitans hit the road face-off against the San Francisco Giants as Kodai Senga is going to be going for the Mets and Sean is on the bump. For the Giants, and the Giants are in between plus 110 and plus 118 underdogs. Between minus 120 and minus 135, your number on the Metropolitans, 8.5 is the total. The over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I recognize I'm playing a dangerous game with the Giants bullpen, one that was in the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of ERA entering into yesterday. But my write-up here is actually going to be on the under. I like what I've seen out of young Kodai Senga. He was getting nearly 10 strikeouts per nine innings in the Nippon Baseball League in Japan. He's looked relatively solid in his first three starts now. His three starts came against the Miami Marlins twice and the Oakland A's, so a little bit of a grain of salt there. And Sean Manea isn't removed from being a very highly touted guy, throwing that no-hitter a few years ago at Boston, and hasn't looked terrible to begin the season. He has given up six runs in 11 and third innings, not necessarily lending a ton of length, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job. The Giants are a team that very heavily relies upon the deep ball, and they're very aware of the ballpark dimensions here because it is their home ballpark, but as we know, in San Francisco, especially during the nighttime, it is one of the toughest ballparks in order to drive one out on, and I do think that for the Giants, 
when it's all said and done, they're going to have a lot of guys that have between about 20 and 25 home runs. Really nobody north of 30, but you do have Mikey Stramski, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis, all with four home runs as far this season. David Villar, Theory Estrada, they've got three, but you really don't have a lot of guys that are moving the line. Davis and Estrada are hitting above a threader. Pat said, all of your main home run hitters, they're hitting a 245 or worse. Sands, really Wormer Flores, the 244 batting average that they seem as. Currently one of the lesser ones out there in the big leagues. And it's been a little bit of tough sledding as well for our good friends in New York Mets as they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start to the season now. Pete Alonso has been a good deodorant for them. He had eight of the team's first 18 home runs this season. He has been on an absolute tear, but you've had Eduardo Escobar just not be able to find himself at the plate all season long. It's been a little bit tough going for Jeff McNeil. It does seem like he's starting to get out of that funk a little bit, but he's still hitting right around about a 240. Guys at the catcher spot that you really don't trust in quite yet. Brett Patty in the infield has not been great. Francisco Alvarez, I think, is going to be good in a few years, but he's just not there quite yet. And for this New York Mets team, they did have to utilize their bullpen quite a bit yesterday with Max Scherzer getting tossed out of that game, but they didn't necessarily use up a bunch of trustworthy guys. You are probably going to be looking to someone like David Robertson and back-to-back days, but Brooks Raley is someone that I've been relatively impressed by as well, so I do think that because you've got some very good ballpark dimensions here, and I do think that Senga is the real deal, I'm going to be looking at the under. That is going to be my write-up. Set that total at an 8.1, and with regards to the New York Mets, set them at a minus 136 on the money line. You're at minus 135 or less. Looking to ride with the Mets right up here. That is going to be on the under. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins in the red face-off against the Boston Red Sox, as Tanner Houck is going to be going for the Sox, and Kenta Maeda is going to be on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. With the Twins, they are slight underdogs. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Minus 120 to minus 125. Your number on Boston with the total at 9. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And for the Red Sox, set them at a minus 108 on the money line. Needed at least a plus 109 to take a shot on the Minnesota Twins. And we have gotten there for Kenta Maeda. Missed the entirety of the 2022 season due to injury. He hasn't had a large sample size by any stretch of the imagination coming back. But hasn't looked bad. He's got a lot of pair of home runs in 11 innings. But by and large, has done a very good job with the command. As a matter of fact, can't be any better with the command. Zero walks over the course of 11 innings, and that was something that was hurting him prior to him going on the injured list in 2021 and ultimately having to miss 2022. Now, with the Minnesota Twins, not a team as necessarily mashing. Joey Gallo had three home runs early on during the season, but then landed on the injured list. But we've got guys that are able to move the line for the team as really the entirety of the catcher spot between Christian Vasquez and Ryan Jeffers. Both of these guys in north of the three hour. Donovan Solano has been in that fold as well. You could use a little bit more out of guys like Kyle Farmer, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa. These guys are in between about a 220 to 230, but pitching has been supreme. They entered into the series, the Twins said, number one in the league in terms of bullpen area. Now they are going up against a Red Sox team that is very formidable with their offense, but that was really with Adam Duvall in the fold. Duvall got four home runs in his first 33 at-bats, was hitting a 455, and being on the end of the list has really hurt the team as it's been a very top-heavy lineup ever since. And Justin Turner down for what has been giving you a 385 on base, Rafael Devers, and you 285, seven bombs at Alex Verdugo, sitting north of a 340, but the rest of the lineup not holding up their end of the bargain as you've got guys like Tristan Casas. They trotted out there Valdez in the infield yesterday. Kike Hernandez 
Christian Wong. Guys like this, they're hanging below the Mendoza line of 200. Masataka Yoshida, I was excited about him. Just as not paying out for him. I think that he's going to be able to improve as the season goes along. But you've got a lot of dead bats that are currently in this lineup. And for the Boston Red Sox, they just don't match up in terms of the bullpen compared to the Minnesota Twins. As Yohan Duran throws 100 plus miles per hour. You got Ore Alcalo, I really like for the team. Giovanni Morin at a sub 3 ERA. A season ago, they lose Danny Columbia. But past that, this bullpen is very good. Meanwhile, for the Red Sox, if you look at the raw numbers, the bullpen has been terrible, but. I don't have any faith in guys like Caleb or Richard Blyer, Ryan Brazier. You're able to go down the list. These guys have been absolutely horrible. John Schreiber is relatively solid in the bullpen. Josh Winkowski has actually been a nice long guy, but your most trustworthy man right now is Kenley Jansen. And anyone that has bet on a game in which Kenley Jansen tries to close out, you know exactly how that adventure goes. So this is a spot where with the Twins, I need at least a plus 109 to be able to take a shot here. But I am seeing that. I do think that Kenta Maeda going to be able to do a relatively solid job here. And when it comes to Tanner Houck, I do think that he's just not going to be backed up the way that you'd like him to. I do like the fact that he is now back in the starting rotation, which is where he belongs last season. They were utilizing him a little bit more out of the bullpen. Walks have been a little bit high. Seven walks over the course of 14 innings thus far this season, but when he was utilized more as a starter during the 2021 season, he was able to have some relatively good success. Does a good job not giving up a lot of home runs that year. His walks per nine rate was right around 2.7, so I do think that Hulk is going to be able to do his part. I just don't think that the Red Sox bullpen is going to do their semi-total at a 9.2, so here at a 9, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and when it comes to the Twins, plus 110 or greater, going to be taking a shot on them, and we're going to have things up with 9.13, 9.14 on the betting board. The LA Angels, they hit the road face-off against the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees, and Patrick Sandoval is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140 underdogs. Anywhere between minus 150 to minus 155 is your price on the Yanks. 8.5 is the total. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between minus 110 to minus 120. And I did set my total at 8.3. Going to be looking at the under in this ordeal. Got a Yankee stadium that always gets a bad rap for that short porch in right field. But it's been playing a little bit more pitcher-friendly thus far this season due to cooler temperatures, due to the way that the wind has been blowing. And Nestor Cortez has figured out the, I guess you call it, puzzle that is being able to keep the ball in the yard in Yankee Stadium. You take a look at what he did last season. He's given up right around a half a home run per nine innings, and he has been rock solid thus far this season. He gave up two solo home runs in his last start against the Minnesota Twins, but by and large, has been able to do a tremendous job being able to keep the ball in the yard. Overall, with the Yankees, has gotten about nine strikeouts per nine innings. Doesn't walk a lot of guys throughout his career at Yankee Stadium. He's got a little bit north of a two ERA last year. It was right around a buck 95, and he's backed up by a Yankees lineup that is starting to come into his own. Aaron Judge, six home runs, sitting right around at 285. Last year, Anthony Rizzo, along with John Carlos Sain, both of these guys hit below at 230, have been much better this season. Now, Stanton has been dealing with a little bit of injury. He's been in and out of the fold the last few days, but Rizzo, he's sitting right around at 300. DJ LeMayu, Glaber Torres, both of these guys are doing a good job moving the line. Torres, north of a 400 on base, has cooled off a little bit since the first week and a half of the season, and Franchi Cordero has actually given the team some home runs, and for the Angels, one of the most fearsome lineups in all baseball. Mike Trout, Joey Otani, you know exactly what to expect. Uh, these guys both providing north of a 370 on base, both can go yard at any given time. Hunter Renfro yesterday entered in, hitting a 265, four home runs last year, had 25 bombs, hitting a 250 
with the Brewers. The big thing for them is the bottom of the fold. Guys like Brandon Drury, Jake Lamb, Zach Neto, they have not been terrific, but Taylor Ward at the top is able to move the line. Jura Shella has been able to reach base as well. And this Angels bullpen, ever since the all-star break of the 2022 season, they've been a top 10 bullpen in terms of VRA. Andrew Wants, Jose Quiata, not great, but at the same time, they're not terrible. They pick up Matt Moore, which you figured there was going to be a little bit of regression from his ERA that was a buck ninety-five last year with Texas, but thus far he's been able to do an okay job. But for the Yankees, Sands really Clay Holmes, it's been a solid bullpen effort. Guys like Wandy Peralta, Juan Metanacchio have been able to do a great job. Jimmy Cordero has provided you a sub three ERA there without Lucas Lukey, but Albert Abreu has been tremendous in this pen as well. So I do think that we are going to be able to get an under in the spot, especially with Patrick Sandoval being able to perform the way that he has for the LA Angels. He sometimes does get his pitch count elevated and that'll knock him out of games early. Six blocks and 14 and two thirds innings thus far this season. Watching him in that opener in Los Angeles. He looks to be very comfortable with regards to the pitch clock. His strikeout numbers are down a little bit this season, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job as Lions season, one of the big attributes for him, was being able to limit hard contact. He gave up in the course of 148 and two-thirds innings, just eight home runs. I think he's going to be able to duplicate that, but I do think that his pitch count is going to get elevated and much more difficult to keep the ball in the yard against the likes of Aaron Judge and company. So, did something I told it at 8.3, looking at the under with the Yankees. Set that minus 164 on the money line. If you're looking at that run line, seeing that at a plus 130, I needed at least a plus 115. I'm actually going to go with the run line. I do think that Nestor Cortez is going to be able to do a dominant job in this ordeal, and I think that you're getting a really nice number in a ballpark that will allow a lot of two and three run shots. So looking at the eight and a half under and the run line of the New York Yankees, and that will wrap things up. For the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts, a big thanks to Rob Donaldson. Does a great job with the All Eyes podcast. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you'll have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? 
We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 